0: Welcome to the Gregory Diggow Podcast. Today I want to talk to you about two words that change everything. Two words that change everything. Does anybody know what they are? Don't, don't, don't cheat if you were here or you heard the service earlier. you listened to the podcast on the way here. Two words that change everything. Now somebody guessed in the early service and said, "Thank you." And I said, that's true. Those are those are the two most powerful words on Earth. But these two words cause the thank yous. These two words are what create thank yous. The two words I'm going to talk about today and um, and one of the most common self defeating mindsets that interrupt our potential uh, interrupt um, God's will for our lives, The, the the one of the most common self-defeating mindsets is when we interrupt our potential and we interrupt what God wants to do in our lives and we interrupt the possibilities of God with two words. But I but I but I I would go I would go get my degree, but I am just not smart enough. I would go online and find a date, but I don't think I'll find anybody suitable. I would go work out, but I am so tired and so busy. I would volunteer in the church, but I don't have any time. I'd pray, but I don't feel God would hear me. I'd give, but I don't think I can afford it. I'd get moving forward with God, but I feel so defeated. I want to stop getting angry at my kids, but I just feel frustrated all the time. But I but I but I you know. What is happening in our lives is we have big buts But I is a trigger to failure and it keeps us stuck. So essentially, you may have a big butt, which, by the way, is very fashionable now. I don't know if you knew that, but in our culture, today's culture, like the bigger your butt is, the better, I guess. Like it used to be, like 20 or 30 years ago, the smaller it was, the better. Now the bigger butt you got. The you know, it's like you you know, you, like people are trying to out butt somebody else's butt. And I'm, I know it's a little crude, but here's the good news. God has a bigger but than anybody has in this earth. So you can live your life, you can live your life in the but I but I don't have this, but I can't do this. But I feel this. But I do this. But I failed here. But I did this. But I didn't do this enough. But God. But God. But God. But God, you know, the word but means it really it literally means to cancel out, to cancel out. So like if somebody said uh, if you were dating somebody and, and, and you really like them, but they're not they don't really like you as much. And, and, and this is how they this is what they say to you. They say, you know, oh, you're an amazing person. Th- thank you. Uh, you, you're, you know, you're really pretty. Thank you. Uh, you you. You really seems really smart. Thank you. You're a really good company to keep. Thank you. But Now, everything that everything that that person just said is canceled out because all that matters is what's about to be said, not what came before it, but what comes after it. You get it now. Jesus said in John 1010, He said the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come. But I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance, the thief, he comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come. So no matter what the devil tries to do in your life, no matter what the devil tries to take from your life, no matter what the devil tries to destroy in your life, there is a but I there is a but God that is going to show up and interrupt and intercept and interfere and intercede for what Satan is trying to do. God is going to butt in and he is going to make the devil butt out and he is going to make your life better than you could possibly imagine, because even though we don't deserve it, God says, the Bible says, but God, even though we're lost, we were lost sinners, the Bible says, but God, being rich in mercy has had compassion and grace towards us. But God, he is going to be your interrupter. Pardon the interruption, but everybody needs a God interruption today in your life. Everybody needs a but God moment in your life. Everybody's going through something today and you need a but God to step in and cancel out and zero out everything that devil is trying to do to steal, kill and destroy you, God steps in and interrupts the devil's plan and interrupts the devil's agenda and interrupts what the enemy has done. And he steps in to give you life in abundance to the full till it overflows and it cancels out everything that the enemy is trying to do in your life. Who's ready for God to cancel out some stuff? Who's ready for a but God moment in your life? Who here needs a but God moment in your life? What does it mean? It's the moment when God intervenes. Life is going one way. Things seem hopeless, but then all of a sudden a loving, holy God intervenes and it changes everything. So many people I meet and talk to are in the midst of deep brokenness, crisis, unresolved conflict, financial troubles, health troubles, family difficulties, workplace stress. So many people in this world, some of us maybe came here today in deep brokenness. Maybe you came here today with a crisis. Maybe you came here today And you need desperately a but God moment. After the first service, a man came up to me in the lobby with tears streaming down his face. And he said, I need a but God moment right now. Pastor, I need a but God moment in my family's life had to do with one of his kids. And so we we just grabbed a hold of him and just said, Lord, you said you would intervene. You said our whole household would be saved. You said that if we ask anything in your name, if two of us us agree about anything we ask, it shall be done. So we're asking, Lord, for you to intervene in this situation, for you to wipe out what the enemy meant and what the enemy sent and turn this around for good and for your glory. He was so thankful because he needed a but God moment. Maybe you need a but God moment. And if you don't today, you might need one tomorrow. You might need one next week. You might run into somebody that needs one now. Let God use you. Take what you're going to hear today and use it to help others. Spread this. But God moment, this but God power, this but God revelation. Uh, God is in the business of interrupting our self-destruction. He's in the business of interrupting the enemy's plans against us. He's in the business of interrupting our medical crisis and condition. He's in the business of interrupting our failure. He's in the business of interrupting our, our stupid ideas and our foolish plans. He's in the business of interrupting the path that we've been on that would hurt us or hurt somebody else. And he is in the business of stepping in, interrupting, and intervening and interceding and canceling out whatever the agenda was of the enemy. He is in the business of interrupting. And I want to invite God to interrupt your life today. I want to invite God to interrupt your life who's watching today. I want to invite God to interrupt my life, to interrupt your life and to step in and cancel out and zero out what the enemy sent to defeat us. When Jesus came to this earth, he interrupted the religious structure, he interrupted the world of darkness with light. He interrupted the religious traditions of men with grace. He interrupted the destruction of sickness and disease and illness. And he healed everyone that came to him. And as many as touched his garment, they were made well. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Yes, Jesus is an interrupter. He interrupts the sickness with healing. He interrupts the darkness with light. He interrupts sin with his blood. He interrupts condemnation with righteousness. He interrupts fear with love. He interrupts unbelief with faith. He interrupts the curse with the blessing. He interrupts everything with the cross. When Jesus died on that cross, it was God splitting heaven and splitting the skies with his beautiful, beloved, blood stained cross and planting it in the earth and saying, I'm here to interrupt the devil's plan to take your soul into darkness. I am here and you will never be the same. He stuck that took that cross from heaven before the world. The Bible says the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. God took that cross out of heaven. His son, his arms stretched out, his feet nailed, his side pierced the crown of thorns bleak, causing his head and hemorrhaging in his brain and every drop of blood flowing out of his body to interrupt the sin that was separating us from God, to interrupt the loneliness of a God distant and not near, to interrupt the fears and anxieties and worries and troubles of everyday life with his presence that calms every storm, with his peace that passes understanding. He sent the cross down from heaven in the form of Jesus. And he split this earth wide open and he split the spiritual world wide open and he interrupted the God of this world that had blinded the minds of the unbelieving. He interrupted Satan, the Lord of of, that had become the Lord of mankind because man had turned the given the keys of 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 hell and death to the devil. And, And God sent Jesus and split right down the middle every plan and plot and every every foul spirit that had condemned and, and 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 oppressed and and destroyed and 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 and, and mortalized everything that God had created immortal. And he stuck the cross in the earth and said, but God Amen. you're lost and your sins have separated you. But God, You're blind and you can't see. But God, you're lost and forsaken and your soul is is empty and your spirit is dead. But God, you only know the law and condemnation and rules and regulations that keep you in bondage for the rest of your life. But God, you've been depressed all your life. You've been you've been anxious and worried all your life. You feel like killing yourself. But God, you got this sickness that the doctor said, you're never going to make it past this moment. you got six months to live. But God. When you start hearing the hallelujahs and other languages, you know, God's in the place. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about some but God moments in Genesis chapter eight, verse one, there they were in the ark and it seemed like all hope was lost because everything was destroyed. But God remembered Noah and all the animals and livestock that were with him in the ark and God sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. It felt like Jacob. Was forgotten in Genesis 31, verse 42, but God, he said, has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands. And last night he rebuked you. You see, when it seems like all hope is lost, there's a but God that makes the waters recede when it feels like you are a forgotten person. There's a but God and he remembers you and he sees what you're going through and he does something about it. It seemed like the people closest to him in Joseph's life, it seemed like the people closest to him had harmed him, hurt him, betrayed him and defeated him. But God meant it for good. He felt like giving up in 1 Kings, chapter five, verse four. But Solomon said, but God has given me rest on every side. It seemed like death was closing in on David in Psalm forty nine, verse fifteen. But God redeems my life from the grave and he will receive me to himself. It seemed like Paul's servant Epaphroditus was going to die of his sickness. In Philippians chapter two, verse twenty seven, it says, but God had mercy on him and he was healed. David's heart was condemned. He disappointed himself, his flesh and his heart had failed him. In Psalm 73, verse 26, and it says, but God is the strength of my heart. And God is my portion forever. It seemed like an impossible situation in Matthew, chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus said, but with God all things are possible. I wonder if you're starting to get a picture of the pattern in the Bible of how God so, so rudely interrupts the devil's plan, so rudely interrupts the enemy's assault against you, so rudely interrupts the doctor's report, so rudely interrupts the bank account that lacks what it needs. He so rudely interrupts the curse with his blood so that you can be blessed forever and cursed for never. I didn't deserve his love. And then Romans five eight says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I've planted. And planted and sown and sown seeds. Doesn't seem like anything's happening until First Corinthians three six says, but God was causing the growth and the increase. You feel left out, you feel inferior, you feel small, you feel like you're not as smart as everybody else. And then first Corinthians one twenty-seven says, but God chose the foolish things to confound the wise. He's chosen the weak things to shame the things that are strong. Everywhere you look in the Bible, man gets himself into trouble, but God helps him out. Man makes a bad decision, but God has mercy. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus shows up to give life in abundance to the full till it overflows. I want to tell you something. Today, you're going to have a but God moment. Because there is something we can do. To invite those moments in our lives, to welcome those but God moments in our lives, let me show you how it works a little bit in Second Corinthians, Chapter one. And I want to show you a verse in the message Bible beginning in verse eight. Second Corinthians, chapter one, verse eight. Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he says, we don't want you in the dark, friends. We don't want you in the dark about how hard it was when all this came on us in Asia. It was so bad. We didn't think we were going to make it. Let's pause for a moment and let's ask ourselves, are you at a place right now where it's so bad that you don't think you're going to make it. Or have you ever been in a place like that where it seems so bad that it doesn't seem like you're going to make it? Or do you have a family member a loved one, a coworker, a friend where it seems so bad it doesn't look like they're going to make it. Are you in a family situation, a financial situation, a health situation, a relationship situation, an emotional situation where it seems like it's so bad that it doesn't even seem like you're going to make it? That's what Paul is talking about here. And let's keep following what happens. He said it. We don't. It was so bad. We didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row that it was all over for us. Anybody been there? As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. I'm telling you right now, when you are facing an impossible situation and it feels like It's the worst thing that could happen. I got good news for you. It's the best thing that could happen, because when you are at your wits end and that's what Paul was at, look at what it says. He says, as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. instead of trusting in our own strengths or in our own strength or our own wits. To get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Hey, Don't look at your bad situation as something that you wish would never happen would have never happened. Look at your bad situation as an opportunity to totally trust God. We were forced to trust God totally. I guess that implies sometimes we aren't trusting him totally. The Bible says trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. So I guess there's some times where we're not trusting him totally. So guess what? Bad news is actually good news when there's a but God in the earth. Bad news is actually good news when there's a but God in your life. Bad news is actually good news when there's a but God in your church. Bad news will become good news when you let the gods show up in your life. He says we were forced, (laughs) the best thing that ever happened because we were forced to trust God totally. And here's Paul's sense of humor. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. Let me tell you who we're trusting. We're not trusting some god that some god that can't figure out which way is north, south, east and west. We're not trusting some God that doesn't know how to handle a little bit of financial pressure. We're not. Hey, hey, we're trusting a God that says, put your put your hook in the water and and the first fish you catch, there's going to be a coin in his mouth, Pete. And guess what? You take that coin and you pay your taxes and you pay my taxes. Hey, God knows how to handle your difficult situation. He knows what to do about your crisis. We are not trusting a God who we're not sure about. We're not trusting a God who has hasn't proven himself already. We're not trusting a God that can't fix something that we broke. We're not trusting a God that can't turn something around. We're trusting the God who formed the earth in the palm of his hands. He formed the moon and the sun and the stars. With his words, he said, let there be light and light flooded the universe and hasn't ever stopped since. We're not trusting any old God. We're trusting the God who raises the dead. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Hey, you know, you're I'm in a tough situation. I guess I'm going to have to trust God. Hey, guess what? Not a bad idea since he's the God that raises the dead. Since he's the God that raises the dead, trust, trust, trust. How do we trigger these but God moments? Trust, trust him. Trust. Trust him. It doesn't feel like it. I'm trusting him anyway. It doesn't look like it. I'm trusting him anyway. I I haven't done enough. I'm trusting him anyway. I've made a ton of mistakes. I'm trusting him anyway. Trust. Trust. He said, hey, (laughs) turns out that's the best thing that could happen instead of trusting in our own strength, our wits to get out of it. We were forced to trust God totally not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. And Paul said, and he see Paul's writing after it happened and we're listening after it happened, we're reading after it happened. Guess what? It already happened. Guess what? Is you're not facing a blind situation. You're not walking into a situation where you're not sure whether it's happened or not. It's already happened, he said. And it happened and he did it. Rescued us from certain doom. Oh, and I love this part and he'll do it again. First, he says, and he did it. And then he says, and he'll do it again. But I wonder how many times, don't you? Oh. As many times as we need rescuing. What a generous God. What a beautiful savior. What a gracious Lord. And he did it. And he'll do it again rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. How does he do it? Trust. Then how does he do it? You. And your prayers are part of the rescue operation. Let me tell you something, this would be a good. Commercial and advertisement for being a church member because Paul's right into the Corinthians. And he says to the Corinthian church, he says, you know how God rescued me and you know how God does this rescuing operation, he says, with you and your prayers. The Corinthian church was praying for Paul. The believers were praying for Paul. He said, keep that verse up, please. Um, he says he will rescue us as many times as we need rescuing how you you. Boy, there's something powerful. He's talking to them, the members of the Corinthian church. And he said, you guys, God operates in the church. God operates through the church. The rescue operation is through people. The rescue operation happens when people give. The rescue operation happens when people volunteer. The rescue operation happens when people pray. The rescue operation happens when people witness. The rescue operation happens when people come together. The rescue operation happens when we join hands because one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. The rescue operation goes into effect when we're planted in God's house, when we're connected to God's people, when we're connected with people that know how to pray. We're connected with people that serve when they don't feel like it, connected with the people who lift their hands, whether they feel it or not, connected with people that speak God's word, connected with people that believe God's promises, connected with people that believe in the body of the blood of Jesus Christ, connected with people that know that God answers, connected with people that know they can trust him, connected with people. You got to be connected with people that trust God, connected with people that believe God, connect with people, a church family where you can have a letter written to you. And Paul says, you know how God rescued us. You know how God did it. He did it." Because number one, we trusted him totally because we had no other option. We're not so spiritual. It's just we had no other choice. <laughs> and secondly, he says, You, 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 and your prayers, your prayers, your prayers are part of the rescue operation. He says, I don't want you in the dark about that either, because I can see your faces even now, he said, lifted in praise for God's deliverance of us. I can see your faces now lifted in praise. How does he do it? What creates the but God moments trust? What creates the but God moments church? What creates the but God moments prayer? What creates the but God moments praise? for what he's already done. I can see your faces even now, lifted in praise for God's deliverance of us, a rescue in which your prayers played such a crucial part. Don't underestimate the moment of prayer in church. We say let's pray for the sick. Don't ever underestimate the moment of prayer in the service for souls saved. Don't ever underestimate the prayers we prayed today to be soul winners. Don't ever underestimate the laying on of hands. Don't ever underestimate the taking of communion. Don't ever underestimate the giving of the offering. Don't ever underestimate the the power of your presence here today. In Acts chapter 10. In verse one, it says There was a certain man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian band. It was like, a, I guess, a musical instrument that he was playing. Just kidding. Uh, He was an Italian soldier, a devout man. Some of you will get that. you will catch up. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many gifts. To the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. And about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come into him and said to him, Cornelius and fixing his gaze on him, said, What is it, Lord? Listen. And he said to him, your prayers and your gifts, your prayers and your alms, your giving financially, he said, your prayers and your giving have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is called Peter. This is a vision that this man has been given. He's standing and an angel is standing in front of him, Cornelius. And the angel says to him, let me tell you why I came. I came because your many prayers, your prayers and your giving have ascended to God as a memorial. Now send for this guy who you never heard of. His name's Peter. And he is staying with a Tanner named Simon. So now you've got now the angel tells him about two people that he's never met before. And the Bible says when the angel was still speaking, it says uh, he he had actually when the angel who was speaking to him had departed, he summoned two of his servants, devout soldiers and and said after he explained everything, he sent them to Joppa. And the next day they were on their way and approaching the city. Peter went up and saw this vision. So all this is a domino effect. Now all of Rome is, is becomes open to the gospel because of this man's prayers and his giving a but God moment shows up and changes a whole city, a whole nation and the whole world. Don't ever underestimate the but God moments that come because you trust, because of us, because of church together, he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, the power of us. The but God moments that come through prayer. The but God moments that come through giving. And one more that I'll mention since we're almost done here the but God moments that come by speaking God's word. In Psalm 107, verse 20, it says, Angels hearken. To the voice of God's word, and He sent His word and healed them. Actually, in in Psalm 107, verse 20, it says He sent His word and healed them. But in Psalm Psalm 103, verse 20, it says the angels hearken, the angels listen to the voice of God's word. The angels are dispatched at the sound of God's word. Angels go carry out His word when they hear the voice of his word. When you speak the word of God, you're not. It's not the voice of God, but it's the voice of his word. The angels are mighty in strength and they perform it, they bring it to pass, they create. But God moments when they hear the voice of his word. Let me close with this last beautiful scripture in Ephesians chapter two. Excuse me, yes, Ephesians, chapter two, verse one, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is in the sons of disobedience, you were dead among them. You formerly lived. You were in lust of your flesh. There's lust of your mind. By nature, you were children of wrath. Verse four. But God, you were lost and going to hell. But God, you are a child of the devil. But God, you were dead in your trespasses. But God, you were a part of the prince of the power of the air. But God, you're one of the sons of disobedience. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Look at what he says even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In order that. In the ages to come. In heaven, you see, he saves us by his grace on this earth. But even when we get to heaven, let me tell you what he's going to do. Somebody asked me, we get to heaven, are we going to be judged? What's going to happen? So that so that in, he tells us right here, so that in the ages to come, he might show. He might show the surpassing riches of his grace. And kindness toward us. Because we're in Christ Jesus, because you're born again, the grace, the kindness, the mercy, the surpassing riches don't stop. When we die, we get to heaven and they just get started. They just get started. If he's shown us, God has shown me surpassing riches of his grace and in my own life, I'm here because of his mercy and his grace. And yet he has so much more that he wants to show me and so much more that he wants to show you. Riches that surpass anything you can imagine, not riches, not worldly riches, the riches of his grace, the riches of his kindness. It's not like God's kind to us today so we can be saved. And he's going to take it all out on us when we get there. As we get into heaven, are you bad kid? At least you got here. But dang it, you need a whooping. No, we're going to get there and he's going to be like, oh, You think you saw some mercy down there. You think you saw the riches of my grace down there. Let me show you something. Child of God. Let me show you something. Son or daughter of God. Let me show you something. Blood washed, saint of God who is now in heaven because of the sheer grace of God and the goodness of God and the love of God and the mercy of God. Let me show you that heaven is full of so much more than you could have even experienced on Earth. You couldn't contain it all. You couldn't experience it all. There's too much to fit on this earth. It's in heaven where there is no limit, where there is no physical bodies of sin, where there is the unlimited surpassing riches of his grace and his mercy towards you who are in Christ Jesus. We're going to get there and there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord, would you please bow your heads with me on behalf of those that maybe have never received him as their savior and Lord. Today, the grace of God starts. The kindness of God begins. The mercy of God is reaching you right now. If you're not sure you're going to go to heaven when you die, I want to pray with you. All you have to do is believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. Receive him as the savior of your life. Pray the simple prayer out loud after me. And those of you that are already saved with your heads bowed as well, pray along with us. For those that may be praying this for the first time you're watching at home, pray this out loud as well. Just say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose from the dead. The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all my sins. I am saved by grace through faith in the gift of God the blood of Jesus. God, you're my father now. And I'm your child from this day forward, I'm yours and your mind with every head bowed. If you prayed that for the first time, I'm going to ask you to do something very special. And I'm going to ask you to be bold on the count of three. I'm going to ask you to on the count of three. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand if you've accepted Jesus Christ today as your savior and Lord on the count of three, one, Two, three, right where you are seated. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Keep your hand up. 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 God bless you. Come on, everywhere. Everyone keep your hand up. God bless you here. God bless you here. God bless you here. God bless you here. Come on. Keep your hand up for a moment. Keep your hand up for a moment. Maybe you're watching right now and you're saying, man, my hands left. nobody sees me. I see you. God sees you. Everything's going to be all right. Let us know that you prayed this prayer. And let me send you this book. The Power of a New Life we will send it to you absolutely free. It's our gift to you. It's it's the next steps of the Christian life. And everyone who left, lifted their hand today, hopefully one of our team members spotted you so they could put this in your hand. These are the next steps of the Christian life. Let me encourage you the next step for all of us, for all of us, including those who just who just accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord. Congratulations. You just made the greatest decision of your life. Heaven's throwing a party for you right now. And it's going to keep partying until you get there and join the party. And let me tell you something. And let me tell you something. If you will leave here today and trust God, if you will leave here today and know that you have a church family, if you will leave here today and know that there is power in prayer, if you will leave here today, giving God praise for what he's already done. If you will leave here today with a generous heart to be on the giving side, you are going to see the but God moments. You're going to see divine intervention. Jesus already paid for these. But God moments. We simply activate them when we pray, we activate them when we give, we activate them when we speak God's word. Oh, You're going to experience the greatest month of your life, you're going to go into the greatest year of your life. You're going to experience the greatest days of your life.